Chapter forty two of the Convict by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty two. The scene of confusion that ensued after the event related in the last chapter is not to be described. Every one crowded round Sir Arthur Adelon, and he was speedily raised and placed upon the sofa. Servants were called, water was sprinkled in his face, and all the usual restoratives were had recourse to for some time in vain. He opened his eyes faintly, indeed, for a moment, but he seemed instantly to relapse, and a servant was sent off in haste to Barhampton for the surgeon, who usually attended him. For the only person who seemed to be sure that it was an ordinary fainting fit, though one of a very severe kind, was Captain M., who, with kind and judicious words, encouraged Eda and Edgar to pursue their efforts, assuring them that they would be finally successful. At the end of half an hour Sir Arthur began to revive, and one or two of the guests who had made their comfort yield to their politeness then vacated the room, leaving only Captain M, with Edgar, Dudley, Eda, and Helen. For some time the baronet seemed incapable of speaking, for though he looked round him from time to time with an anxious glance, he remained perfectly silent, notwithstanding more than one inquiry as to how he felt. His first words, however, when he did speak, instantly recalled the subject which has interested them all so deeply the moment before he had fainted. "'Where is the priest?' he said. "'Where is Father Peter?' And every one instantly looked round, and then, for the first time, perceived that he was gone. Eda would fain have diverted her uncle's attention from matters which she knew must be most painful to him, but Sir Arthur slowly raised himself upon the sofa, and would have got up entirely, had his strength permitted, still repeating, "'Where is he? Where is he? Seek him! Seek him! Do not let him escape!' Then, pressing his hand upon his brow, he added, "'Can it be true? It has been a frightful dream to me for many a long year. Seek him! Seek him, somebody! Oh, if it be true, I will tear his heart out!' Dudley and Captain M. hurried away from the room to inquire for the priest, while Eda assured her uncle that she doubted not he would soon be found. But Edgar, looking from the back of the sofa behind which he was standing, shook his head with a stern and mournful expression of face, as if to express a strong doubt that such would be the case. But little information of Father Filmer's movements could be obtained by Dudley and his companion from the servants. Some of them had seen him pass out of the breakfast-room, but not aware that any charge whatever had been brought against him, had taken no notice of so ordinary an occurrence. Others had seen him mount the staircase towards his own room, but when he was sought for there he was not found. No one had seen him quit the house, however, and though one or two of those who had lately come up the alley or through the park were questioned particularly on the subject, none could give any information and every room to which it was supposed he might have betaken himself was examined in vain. Finding all their search fruitless, the two gentlemen at length returned to the breakfast-room, and found Sir Arthur half-seated, half-reclining on the sofa, but much more calm than he had been when they left him. He looked hard at Dudley for a moment without speaking, as if endeavouring to gain command over himself, and then said in a cold and formal tone, "'Pray be seated, sir.' "'You have brought some serious charges against a gentleman "'who has long lived with me as a friend, "'I, for more than five-and-twenty years. "'Had you concluded all you wished to say?' 
"'There were other charges, Sir Arthur,' replied Dudley, "'which in your eyes would be doubtless much more important. "'Those which I have brought affect myself alone, "'and though perhaps more immediately cognizant by the law, "'as coming nearly, if not quite, under the statute "'in regard to the subornation of evidence, "'is in my mind less criminal than his conduct toward you, "'whom, for the five-and-twenty years you speak of, "'he has deceived.' betrayed and injured but on that subject sir arthur as i see it affects you much it will be better to speak at a future period those charges which i have actually brought i am prepared to sustain immediately indeed they can be proved at once by mr clive who is in the next room or even this young lady he continued pointing to helen can give you full information but all this had better also be referred to another occasion when you will be more able to give attention to the subject. "'His presence would be necessary,' said Sir Arthur, leaning his head upon his hand. "'But there is one question more, sir, one question more, and I have done for the present. Was it from you, sir, that my son derived the information which led him to utter the words he lately did?' "'No, assuredly,' answered Dudley. "'But I can see clearly that his words pointed to the same painful subject,' in regard to which i also have charges to make of a most serious character where he obtained his information i cannot tell from the same source whence yours was derived dudley replied edgar only a few words were spoken but connected with some old letters from my poor mother they were enough to enlighten me as to much of the dark past sir arthur waved his hand as his son spoke saying i cannot hear it now i will go to my own room "'Come with me, Edgar. I shall have the honour of seeing you again this evening, sir,' he continued, turning to Dudley, who replied with a slight degree of embarrassment of manner. "'Assuredly, Sir Arthur, if you wish it. But if our father conference is to be this evening, I must, I fear, be an intruder here till that time, for my present abode is near the place where we met shipwreck twelve miles distant.' Sir Arthur Adelon was faint, agitated, and shaken, but yet a touch of his own self-important pride could not be repressed, and with an air by no means very well satisfied or altogether courteous, he replied, pointing to Eda, while he walked towards the door leaning on his son's arm, "'That lady is mistress of herself and of this house, and doubtless she will be happy in having your society.' "'Oh, my dear uncle,' said Eda, starting forward with a look of pain, "'how can you speak such unkind words?' "'Well, well,' replied her uncle, kissing her brow. "'I do believe you love me, Eda, but no more just now.' And he slowly quitted the room. As soon as he was gone, Eda turned towards Dudley, with many mingled emotions in her bosom, which, had it not been for the presence of others, would probably have found relief in tears and in his arms. As it was, she gave him her hand, saying, "'You stay, of course, Dudley, and I trust will remain some days.' i must stay till this task is accomplished he replied and he would fain have added the dear familiar name which he ever called her in his heart but the presence of captain m restrained him and he would not call her miss brandon i was not aware he proceeded that the information i have to convey would pain your uncle so deeply as the effect of the few words spoken by edgar make me fear it will or i would not have undertaken the task we make sad mistakes in life i am afraid in judging of the character of others we are too apt to suppose that one great predominant passion or weakness swallows up all others 
and yet i am convinced that if we look into the heart of any man be he the most ambitious the most avaricious the most vain the most proud we should find some well of tenderness hidden under the rubbish of life which if opened out again might pour forth fresh and pure waters to revivify and beautify all around oh that we had many searchers for such wells said eda but it seems to me that men in dealing with their fellow-men rather labour to cover and hide them but what can have become of mr filmer do you think he has fled it would seem so answered dudley and yet i can hardly imagine that one who has gone on for so many years in successful hypocrisy would yield the field after so brief a struggle i do not know said captain m it may be that he finds himself fully detected and then what a mass of fraud and sin must present itself to memory and terrify him with the prospect of exposure and punishment i remarked that he stood firm before all the charges brought against him in regard to his infamous and criminal conduct towards you dudley it seemed as if he thought that upon some principle he could justify himself at least to himself for acts the most base but when mr adelon uttered those few words about his mother my eye was upon him and he gave way at once i saw him shake in every limb and should certainly have watched him narrowly to prevent his escape had not sir arthur occupied all my attention but now i think i will mount my horse and riding round for a few miles endeavour to obtain some information regarding this man's place of retreat it surely will not be so difficult here to overtake a bushranger as it is in the fifth quarter of the globe dudley as he spoke edgar re-entered the room with a quick step but it was to helen he now turned he had only hitherto throughout all the scenes which had taken place spoken a few words to her and giving her one look but the words and the look were both of love he now led her at once into a deep window and conversed eagerly with her mingling inquiries about matters quite different with expressions of tenderness and affection this bad man must be found helen dearest he said you look pale love and anxious i am the more eager to find him my beloved because he has disgraced the religion which we hold perverting its pure precepts to suit the dark foul purposes of his own heart even were it not for that my helen i would pursue him throughout life for he poisoned the sources of my dear mother's happiness and has turned the noble nature of my father to a curse nay look not up so imploringly in my face sweet love with those dear reproachful eyes as if you thought your edgar fierce and stern it is only that i am eager helen very eager i have ever been so eager in love eager i trust in pursuit of justice and right eager in defence of innocence and surely i may be eager in the punishment of iniquity and wrong helen will not think me very wrong for being so wrong edgar she answered do you not know i think everything you do right i never saw you do anything that was wrong from our infancy till now oh yes many a thing answered edgar and then dropping his voice he added when first i kissed those dear pouting lips did you not tell me i was very wrong indeed but helen we must find this man wherever he may be i shall not rest in peace till i have made him with his own lips undo the wrong he did my mother you know his haunts well tell me love where you think it most likely he would betake himself 
not to our house certainly answered helen now that he knows we are aware of all his baseness to poor mr dudley and not to the cottage of connor unless it be to reproach him for exposing him i really know not where he will go surely not to the priory no i should think not answered edgar musing but here comes your father this night shall set his heart at ease that will never be replied helen with a sorrowful look the death of that unhappy young man still rests like a heavy weight upon him you have but to look into his face to see that it is bearing him down to the earth i trust your happiness dear helen may cheer him answered her lover and to secure that shall be edgar's task advancing towards clive as he spoke he put nearly the same questions to him which he had put to helen regarding the probable course which mr filmer had pursued i should have thought he was more likely to turn and stand at bay than to fly replied mr clive but if he has fled it will be far depend upon it then the more reason for seeking for him immediately exclaimed edgar come captain m let you and i set out if i find him i will venture to apprehend him without warrant and risk whatever may be the result there may be some risk it is true replied captain m for it does not seem to me that he has committed any offence clearly cognizable by a magistrate indeed i am afraid some of the greatest crimes that men can perpetrate have never yet been placed within the grasp of the law but let us go i will take my share of the responsibility and leaving the little party in the breakfast-room they went out to pursue their search End of chapter forty two